Yo, what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 117. I am your host, Armand Lee, welcoming you to another episode, man. We've got so much to discuss. It's been a wild week. We're going to talk about Larry Johnson losing his damn mind. Not my Larry Johnson, not LJ, not the four-point play grandmama LJ, but Penn State. Kansas City Chiefs former running back Larry Johnson has some real um, questionable, disturbing tweets of all things. Tweets uh, this past weekend. But I think we are overlooking a greater issue, right? Because we are in this new day and age where if someone puts something out, we're so quick to critique as opposed to skipping the larger issue. So I'm going to try to tackle that really sensitive topic later on in the show but speaking of sensitive topics in the society in the day and age that we live in i'm going to start with the comedy special that if you haven't seen already i'm sure you heard about it it's in our first quarter this week first quarter. if you're anything like me the first part of this week was completely dominated by reaction and in some instances reaction to the reaction of dave Chappelle's latest netflix comedy special entitled sticks and stones and it was um i don't know to before i get into what i really want to discuss about the the comedy show it's funny just a few weeks ago before the before it was released i suppose i actually had a, a topic a quarter discussing netflix and how they need to survive in this new uh crowded marketplace when it comes to streaming content and I was like, yo, they need to really just hone in on their comedy bag. And it's interesting just kind of seeing off the heels of the whole Popeye's chicken sandwich, which, you know, I'm not even going to talk about. You understand? But online, particularly with the, a certain community, you know what I mean? We, we really get behind something or maybe not get behind it. But if something interests us and we go we take it to social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, wherever the case may be, things really pick up. Like it's amazing how young, I'm not going to say urban because urban is just code for black, right? Black and Brown and, and young urban groups. When we get behind something, it just takes off. And these billion dollar corporations really don't even have to put money into it. You know what I mean? It happened with that sandwich. I don't even know if I've ever seen a Popeye's sandwich commercial. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? The only time I've seen something from Popeye's about that sandwich was after they sold out. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe y'all have seen something. But I haven't. And I haven't even tried the sandwich. You know what I'm saying? But that got me thinking. I'm like, yo, look at the pop. And that's not the only example. That's just one of the more recent examples. And then ha this happened with Dave Chappelle's um, comedy special, his most recent comedy special. It just literally took off, and it wasn't really that Netflix had to put any power behind it. So many people were talking about it, and it built upon itself and built upon itself. And then it was almost like a referendum on you, and as a society, it's like, yo, you have to watch Dave Chappelle's comedy special to then have this larger discussion about where we are as a society as it pertains to sensitivity, 
PC culture, cancel culture, the whole nine, which is nuts when you really think about it, right? That one comedy show isn't really going to be the barometer on where we are as a society. However, to kind of transition back into my main topic, that kind of was my overall overall takeaway. I had two overall takeaways from the Chappelle show. Number one, Dave, I don't like saying genius so much. You know what I mean? Like so many people say, use the term genius so loosely. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that Dave Chappelle is a comedic genius. I, I love the Chappelle show. Half Baked was hilarious. I'm not the biggest fan of his standups. Even, I'm not even talking about Sticks and Stones. I'm talking about some of the earlier ones that y'all swear by. I remember I went to Kill Him and Softly. It was, it was all right. I, I didn't think it was that funny. Like someone, like everybody cites that joint. Like it's the funniest thing in the world. I didn't really find it that way. However, you know, the brother is funny and the brother, particularly in this one, in this episode or this comedy special, he, I think the artistic part of what he did was observing where we are as a society and then using a mirror through jokes to kind of showcase at least through his perspective how things look i've been fortunate enough i got one of my best friends he used to be a, a stand-up comedian a guy i'm super cool with he still is in the co comedy business he does stand-up he also does some writing for um the colbert report or colbert show excuse me <laughs> and then i had a, a a a lifelong friend who used to do comedy you know once out of high school so i've got buddies of mine who have done the comedy thing or currently doing the comedy thing. And, and most of them, whenever we have a conversation about it, they always talk about, yo, it's not really about jokes. Jokes are cool, but it's about taking from real life situations and the lead in and the, the setup and all of these things. And they're like, that's, that's the artistic part of comedy. You know, any comedian, they like go, they sink their teeth into it. Like anybody, right? Like, if you love sports, you, you're really going to break it down. If you love music, you're really going to break it down and not just the surface level stuff, like really get into it. If you genuinely love it, we've had this conversation before and all of my, you know, comedy friends or whatever, they are really into like the setup and callbacks and how you're led through a story into the punchline. The punchline for us as fans, that's kind of, that's the payoff. But people I know who are really in comedy, like really, really love the, the the artistic part of it. They love the setup, the build, the lead up. You know what I mean? All of that stuff. And that's something that I think Dave Chappelle does extremely well throughout this special, Sticks and Stones. But y'all don't care. That's not what y'all want to hear, right? Nobody wants to hear about the setup, the build up, the lead in, the punchline. They want to know. What were my takes on the jokes? Cancel culture, PC society. And that leads me to my second takeaway from this show. And I thought the I thought the, show, the special was funny. But it's important to realize I thought it was funny. Because as a black heterosexual man, I was not the butt of any of these jokes. <laughs> there wasn't a single joke directed towards me. I was the safe group. 
You understand? And look, I think that at times we have gone really, really far with PC culture. I genuinely do. I also think that we all need to understand that we all walk around carrying privilege in our back pocket. Now, privilege is this. This goes back to what Dave Chappelle was talking about, right? We live in such a sensitive society now that even the mention of privilege, some of y'all probably, you know, the hair raises up on your on your forearms and you're turning red or pink, maybe, right? I'm not talking about privileged as privilege is turned into a buzzword. And if we just strip some of these words from our like. Like, it just takes some of the power away from these words and just sit back and actually listen to people. You understand there's really nothing wrong with saying, yo, yeah, I've got privilege. I have privilege as a heterosexual man in this world, 100%. So I laughed at a lot of the jokes that were like when he, the, the, when he talked about the letter people, right? And he's obviously talking about the LGBTQ community. And I thought some of those jokes were funny. I didn't necessarily think, with the exception of him going after trans people, I did not think that he was maliciously, right, going after any one group of people with, with a malicious intent. I think he used, he was using humor. I think he understood, and I may shoot him some bells, so it may sound funny. But I felt like Dave was kind of like, yo, let me go through all of these examples of how everybody is, is, is very sensitive and through the Kevin Hart introduction, through the story he was telling about driving in the car, that was his way to get into the um, LGBTQ community. And like I said, I'm not going to act like I didn't laugh. I thought, I thought the comedy special was funny, but there were moments where I was like, mm. I had to cringe a little bit. I'm like, bro, I don't know. And maybe that's the reference. Maybe that's the whole thing. Right? I'm willing to be like, yo, maybe that's the point. Comedy is such where we should still be able to crack jokes on one another. We should still be able to talk about larger societal issues through humor. And sometimes those jabs will sting. However, we can't get to that point of honesty. Right, of having just an honest conversation because so many people, all the people that I saw raving and cheering and swearing by this comedy special. And again, I thought the comedy special was funny. I didn't think it was like the the next greatest thing since sliced bread. I thought it was cool. Just like I thought a lot of his comedy specials were cool. I didn't think it was his best one. Right? But if we're going to have an honest discussion about PC culture and how cancel culture has gone too far... Don't we then have to have a conversation about privilege? Look, I'm black. I've, I think I've told this story before. One night, years ago, I'm, out, I'm in New York with my homeboy, Agami. Shout out to Ariel. And, you know, we had just left the Knicks game. So, you know, we young men at the time. We looking to get into something, do whatever, whatever. So we walking around and we stumbled upon this little, you know, small comedy shop. Bong. We walk in, check out the ladies in the room. You know, two young men at the time doing our thing. I stood out like a sore thumb because I'm a six foot four black dude in a room full of, of people who were not black. So one of the guys, literally, as we walk in, one of the comedians, and I may have told this story on the show before. He sees me because, again, 
six foot four black guy, and immediately starts talking about, oh, hey, look at this guy. Make sure you hide your, your purses and all these jokes or whatever, right? And look, I've got thick skin. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, the way you grow up around my way, your best friends join on you. They go on you, whatever. That's how you show love. But I'm not going to sit there and act like I was comfortable or that I, it was an enjoyable experience, though I didn't flip out or freak out. Now, I didn't enjoy it because I was the butt of all of those jokes. And it didn't feel like, and again, this wasn't like some highbrow comedy show, right? It's some dude who's probably trying to get off, trying to get on, you know what I'm saying? He wasn't like an established vet, I don't believe. So the jokes weren't really that, you know what I mean? They weren't that sophisticated. You know, again, talking about the lead and the buildup, they were just kind of like, like, you know, we a few weeks ago, it was like the anniversary of the Kings of Comedy, right? And God bless the dead, we all can admit that Bernie Mac stole the show. And the worst performance came from D.L. Hughley. And this is a really, a really, in my opinion, great analogy, right? A good example of a comedic guy who can set up his jokes with stories and build up and, and kind of lead you through a story that is so funny, right? You're completely invested. And that'd be the late, great Bernie Mac. And then D.L. Hughley, who's just a dude who likes to go on balance. So, like, when I was in middle school, the D.L. Hughleys in the world were hilarious because they were just going you. But D.L. Hughley has somehow managed to make an entire career off of just joining on Bama's. And that's not that funny as an adult to me. You can do it a little bit. But when you look at someone like Bernie Mac who can weave a story in and a build up and a lead in and you're being driven through all of these stories and turns, that's comedy at its best, in my opinion. Right. It's an art form. It's completely subjective. Y'all do. Y'all may like however y'all like it, but that's how I like it. So when I'm in New York all these years ago, I'm like, yo, I want to leave. And my, my homeboy who was who was white, it's like, dog, let's he was he was more mad than I. He was like, dog, let's get him out of here. Right? So we all have a certain amount of privilege. Some comedians, when they're joking about black people or joking about whatever, they have such a skill about it and it's not maliciously done. Sarah Silverman, I've talked about her in the past. I thought Sarah Silverman was hilarious early 2000s that her her comedic style has changed, right? Because of climate, whatever, right? She's grown, she's changed her, she's heard criticism, whatever. But I thought a lot of the stuff that she did early in the 2000s was very funny. And oftentimes she made a lot of jokes about black people, but it was through the lens of society, at least through me. So I was able to listen to Sarah Silverman and still laugh. Whereas my sister would listen to Sarah Silverman and she was ready to fight her. You know what I'm saying? And again, we all have different sensibilities. Just because a trans person can listen to Dave Chappelle and laugh does not then mean that all trans people should be able to, quote unquote, take the joke. We all have different sensibilities and it's easy to laugh at someone else. It's much harder to laugh when those jokes are coming right at you. This is not me singling out Dave Chappelle. This is not me screaming that we all should ban none of that. But if we are going to be honest about cancel culture and how it has gone overboard, because I believe in many instances it has, we also didn't have to have a real and honest discussion about privilege. Because, Slim, there are some topics, some moments when I'm on the timeline and it then becomes like a competition about who has been offended the most. 
again, as a black man, it'll be an issue that happens. And then, you know, we, we as a society, we as a group of people, we start talking about it and about how we've been wrong. And we have. And then it'll be another issue. And then white women will come out and they're like, yo, we've been wrong. And they have. But it's not about, man, look at all of the wrongs that have happened. It almost then starts feeling like a competition because then something will happen and it'll affect black women. And then that'll be like, yo, we've been wrong. And they have. And then it's something that is about homosexuals. And then it's about men. And then, and, and, and then, right, it's just, yo, we've been wrong the most. And I get super uncomfortable when we get in those positions because, again, there are really awful things that are still going throughout our entire society, our way of life. But we trivialize things when it becomes a competition. And, and I know Twitter is the worst barometer for anything that is important. I get that. And I'm making the mistake of sometimes putting too much into what I experience through Twitter. But man, I can't be the only one who sometimes when stuff starts popping off, I look at it like, man, instead of really like trying to get to the crux of some of these issues, it just feels like it's a competition of who's been wrong the most. And then when we start doing that, we trivialize everything. And it's a nasty experience, bro. I see some of this stuff and I feel like, dog, I just got to take a shower because it then becomes one group of hurt people attacking another group of hurt people because they haven't been hurt as much as they have been. You know what I'm saying? And it's just a, it's an awful position to witness and it's an awful position to be in. And I do think some of that stems from cancel culture. But how are we going to talk about the perils of cancel culture when we don't first address, dog, it's easy to make these jokes. We're not talking about you. Those are the comedians that I like the most because before they start talking about other people, they start talking about whatever they have been in. The people who can address their walk of life through comedy and then, you know, break out of their specific person or specific, specific position. Easy for me to say. Then they start branching out into other larger topics. That's what I like, right? I don't like the, the DL Hughley. I'm going to just talk about you for a whole set. That's not me. And I'm not saying that that's what they did, but so many of the people who love the Dave Chappelle comedy special. And again, let me make this perfectly clear. I thought it was funny. I laughed a lot throughout it. I cringed a bit, but I laughed throughout. And I understand that that was the art that he was trying to put forth. He was exactly, he did exactly what he wanted to do. The, the reaction that I had was exactly what Dave Chappelle wanted. And that is a mastery of the art form. I will give him credit. But I feel it's easier to laugh at other people than it is to laugh at yourself. And when you can do both, that's when we get into comedic genius. This wasn't genius. This was a dude identifying, yo, I think that the climate that we're in now is wrong and I'm going to address it head on. And I give him credit for that. I absolutely do. But I'm not going to say that this was a genius performance or a genius stand-up. Nah. What did we walk away from? The funny, one of the funniest things that happened, right? He's talking about, 
he's given his example of, of trans and how he doesn't believe that the, the, he doesn't necessarily agree with the trans identity. And he makes the joke about if he was an Asian person on the inside. Right. And then the, the funny thing, he says, oh, my wife hates that joke. And his wife, for those of you who don't know, she's Asian of Asian descent. And that's the whole point. Like, she doesn't like it because the, the end, right, the payoff is a joke about Asian people. <laughs> and again, that's fine. We all can get it. I'm not saying talk about everybody else except for black people. And I'm not saying just only talk about black straight men. I'm not saying that. I like the fact that everybody can get it. However, it's just nuts that we're talking about the beauty of this stand-up and how cancel culture has gone too far. He didn't say damn one word about black straight men. And the biggest defenders of Dave Chappelle have been straight men, by and large, because I know a lot of white straight men have, have supported this too, but mainly black straight men. We ain't catch one bullet. We ain't catch one stray. No joke, nothing. So it's easy for us, right, to take the joke to be like, man, y'all lighten up. But when I was in the position, walking into that comedy club, I felt the way. I left because I didn't enjoy being the butt of all the jokes. Being the butt of many of the jokes. So we got to, we got to, again, if we are going to have the discussion about cancel culture and how we are so PC now, so sensitive as a society, which I do think we should have. Because it has gone too far. It has gone overboard at times. We also got to have the, the same conversation about, yo, why is it that it's funny when I'm talking about all y'all, but when you talk about me, oh, we get up. You know what I'm saying? Because if you can identify, if you believe that, yo, there is a difference there, then that's something that I think we should talk about. Nobody likes to get Joe knowing if you are only going to be the butt of the joke. That's not fun. It's not. And I feel like Chappelle missed an opportunity to do an entire, a much more sophisticated and a much more detailed um, critique of our society by specifically leaving out a group of people because he touched, he tackled everybody, everybody, except for us. And that's where my privilege comes through, right? Because it's easy for me to be like, yo, take a joke. When I know a lot of bombers, when Sarah Silverman was, was making jokes about everybody, they were super hot. Super hot. You know the dudes, when you were going on each other when you're young, some people can take jokes and some people can't. That's not necessarily a good or bad thing. It's just the reality of the situation. But the thing is, when the person who's always joining on other people, finally gets joined on, and then they get mad and they want to fight. It was nothing more upsetting than that. If you are cool with jokes on other people, you got to be cool with jokes on yourself. And I don't think that necessarily all these people who are talking about and raving about Dave Chappelle's most recent stand-up, I don't think they rocking like that. Because if one of these young white comics was going on black folk, you already know what time it would be. And then the same thing could then be highlighted against that. Oh, you're too sensitive. It's PC culture. You understand what I'm saying? We can't have the, the conversation 
about PC culture and cancel culture and us being as sensitive as a society without first understanding privilege. We can't do it. So while everybody is raving and talking about, oh, how genius this stand-up is and how amazing Dave Chappelle and how brave he is, I'm like, nah, it was funny, but I'm not going to slice it. And all the people who are saying, yo, Dave Chappelle, he needs to be canceled. I can't believe it. Dave Chappelle, how dare he? I ain't really rocking with that either. Because I thought the joint was funny. It missed. It could have been so much better. And I don't think he was that brave, right? I think he, if he really wanted to be brave, he could have done so much more with this opportunity because all eyes have been on him for an entire week in that special that's like when you look back when the history like entertainment looks back on 2019. They're going to think about this special. The spe- Doc, when, when people look back on 2019, it's going to be nuts. Everybody's going to look at us like we were out of our damn minds. Fighting over sandwiches. <laughs> Dave Chappelle. Dog, you name it. I want to hear what you guys think, because I, through my uh, unscientific polls, I've seen that, you know, a lot of praise, depending on the person, and I can almost to a T break down who liked the show and who didn't like it based on their specific demographics, men, heterosexual, homosexual, women, pro-life, pro-choice, whatever the case may be. You can, And it goes through the goes through the lens of how how many jokes did this group of people receive? Were you the butt of the joke this many times? If so, it seems as if you ain't like it that much. Were you the butt of the joke very few times? If so, it seemed that you loved it. So I want to hear from you guys. Let me know what you guys thought about Dave Chappelle's stand-up special, Sticks and Stones on Netflix. Tweet at me at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Or email me at QuarterlyReport at gmail.com. Yo, man, this is going to be a theme of the show. The title of this episode was called Cancel Culture. And damn it, there was a lot of people trying to get canceled this week. And I think we, we it's easy to kind of get caught up in that. But I'm more interested in seeing how and why and how things are covered. And when we talk about how things are covered, the differences between one example and another. And one thing that happened this past week that illustrates that better than anything was the story, the unfortunate story of DeMarcus Cousins, which is our second topic this week. For the longest, I was really deciding on whether or not I should even address this topic. But again, you know, these are, this show is basically topics and and, um, subjects that interest me and get my mind going. So I don't want to just throw four or five different topics at you guys that I'm not really genuinely interested in, right? No matter the subject matter, you know, because some of this stuff, again, the episode is called Cancel Culture, right? And we talked about Dave Chappelle. Slim, I'm not big enough to be canceled. But one of the topics that Dave was talking about is, yo, 15, 10 years down the line, somebody could pull something like, yo, this is what he said. That doesn't really bother me. That doesn't scare me. You know, because these are my thoughts. Like this is unfiltered, unedited. Like I can't 
There's no one who's going to doctor my, my audio. There's none of that stuff. This is genuinely how I feel. So when the DeMarcus Cousins soundbite came out, and I'm not going to play it for you all. You all can hear it if you haven't heard it by now. It is extremely disturbing. I'm not even going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. DeMarcus Cousins, or what we believe is DeMarcus Cousins, is allegedly recorded, right? And he threatens the mother of his child. In fact, he says, I'm going to put a bullet in your effing head. Now, this all stems because DeMarcus Cousins recently was married. He wanted his son to be at, it, at the wedding, right? That seems quite fair. I believe the boy is eight years old, I believe. Don't don't quote me on that, but I, I think that's true. And look, it's unfortunate. You know, as someone who is not with my child's mother, I get how some of those conversations can go real, can become really, really tense and really, really emotional. Let me say this. I have had my share of tense, heated arguments with my daughter's mom. Let me also say, I have never threatened her, never come close to threatening her physically or verbally. And I was never say anything like what DeMarcus Cousins said to the mother of his child. That's just a really, uh, it's a really um, unfortunate situation all around. And I'm not going to speak specifically to the comments or whatever their, their uh, relationship may be. Because number one, Again, I don't know anything about their relationship. It was just audio. So we're not even, it's not even confirmed that it was his voice, right? Though there is now an arrest warrant or at the time of this recording, an arrest warrant for DeMarcus Cousins for a misdemeanor, um, I believe assault charge because of making, uh, threatening, being threatening, um, making a, a verbal threat. So I think one could surmise that yes, it was DeMarcus Cousins voice. However, I don't know if there is a history of this type of stuff. I don't know if there is a physical um, history between these two. Uh, so it, it would be just extremely reckless and careless for me to say anything among, other than it's unfortunate, right? You cannot make threats to people, let alone a woman, let alone the woman who gave you your child. This is a nasty situation all around. They have a child who at some point, if he hasn't heard this phone conversation yet, best believe he will hear it relatively soon in his life and that's just an ugly situation all around hopefully they can work it out they can get the necessary therapy again i don't know if this has ever gone to a physical altercation but demarcus cousins has to be smarter than that you cannot make threats like that you can't make threats like threats period but you cannot threaten to kill somebody you know just boom a lot of us have been there not maybe not this specific i Maybe not this specific example, but I can promise you my uh, daughter's mom and I, we have had really tense situations, tense conversations. Our daughter is nine, though. Their son is eight. All of the stuff and knock on wood, I'm sure we'll have our fair share of heated discussions coming up in a few years. But most of the ones that we've had happen within the first two years, two to three years. Right. Didn't you figure it out? You know? And look, I'm not a multimillionaire, so there could be, you know what? Let me just stop there because all of this is now conjecture. I don't even like doing it. Bottom line, DeMarcus Cousins should not have made those comments, period, right? 
And we just hope whatever happens between he, his child, and the mother of his child, they can figure it out, man, because this is just bad for all parties involved. And hopefully everyone is safe, right? Boom. Now that that's out the way, though, I do want to talk about something in relation to this case and how it has been covered, because that I'm interested in. I, again, hope for the best with all parties involved, but it's reckless for me to speculate and talk anything about their situation because I just don't know. What I do know is that the worldwide leader, ESPN, in any moment when there is even the slightest scent of domestic violence, they jump on it, particularly when it's regarding the NFL. But it's not just limited to the NFL. Let's go back into let's go back in the time machine, right? Greg Hardy, there was an audio recording. Before there was the pictures, there was an audio recording. And a woman said that Greg Hardy physically assaulted her. In North Carolina, there was a um, a judge uh, ruled and convicted him, but because of the laws in that state, if you appeal, the conviction is tossed. So if you want to say, okay, Greg Hardy was convicted of a crime, though the appeal uh, tosses that entire charge, you could be like, okay, that's why ESPN, you know, covered that story the way they did. Because before there were pictures, there was an audio. And let's also get off this. There doesn't need to be any type of video, visual, or audio evidence, right, to make or to, to validate a threat of domestic violence. We should be past that. That was part of what, if there, I don't want to say if any good, but all of this, all of these different cases regarding domestic violence with high prominent athletes, if it has taught us anything is that we need to be extremely careful, right? That just because there is not evidence does not mean that an, an assault or an act of violence had not occurred, right? That's kind of what Floyd Mayweather got himself into. Floyd Mayweather's child wrote a letter depicting the violence that he saw when it came to Floyd, his father, and his mother. Floyd, his entire excuse would be like, where's the video? That's all he would ever say. Where's the video? I didn't do it. If I did, where's the video? That's such a, that's such a dangerous, a childish, childish and foolish position for any person, let alone an adult, to be in. To continue to say, where's the video? That's so super nasty, right? But despite the fact that there was not an audio clip or a visual clip, ESPN still covered that incident, as they should, as a sports-slash-news organization. Go down the line. Ray Rice, yes, he did have a video, but they still covered it. Because even before you saw the elevator video, you saw him drag her out. There was something there, and they covered it, as they should. Kareem Hunt, there was a video. Tyreek Hill, there was audio. Ezekiel Elliott, there was just an allegation, and they covered it. You get what I'm saying? No matter this topic, no matter how big or how small the star was, the NFL had made a point. I'm sorry, not the NFL. ESPN made it a point to cover Aroldis Chapman. The list goes on and on. 
And they did a very, I think, a very important job doing that because it brought not just these specific examples of domestic violence, but it brought the topic of domestic violence to the forefront, right? And what we as a society need to do in terms of being informed and listening and changing the scope, changing the narrative as in terms of what happens and how we depict these women, right? I, I can't speak to every, everyone, but I know I learned a great deal about not even not even about the acts of domestic violence, right? But how prevalent it is in our society, how it's covered, how people talk about, like how victims feel pressured. All of these things came, I took a, 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 a more, I don't know, strong ownership of learning this type of stuff out of all of these awful acts that has happened, that have happened, right, throughout the sports world. So you can imagine my surprise when DeMarcus Cousins, who I don't know, with the exception of what? Probably Ezekiel Elliott and Floyd Mayweather, of all the names that I just ran through. DeMarcus Cousins is, has a higher profile than all of those, with the exception, again, of Ezekiel Elliott and Floyd Mayweather, right? I don't think that Ray Rice at the time had a higher Q rating than DeMarcus Cousins by nature of the position, nature of the sport. DeMarcus Cousins is one of the most well-known athletes in this country. He went to Kentucky. He's multiple-time All-NBA player. Hell, he played for the Warriors last year, now plays for the Lakers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You talk about brands. DeMarcus Cousins is a brand of himself, but he's also attached himself to two of the most successful uh, well-known brands and sports in this country. Yet, I haven't heard other than one OTS, but, excuse me, OTS, when I say that, over the shoulder, right? OTS stands for over the shoulder in television. So the only thing that I personally have seen from ESPN in terms of this story was Michael Eves sitting down at a desk on SportsCenter and doing a 20 to 30 second read on DeMarcus Cousins with an OTS graphic, over the shoulder graphic during a SportsCenter episode. That's it. Now when Ezekiel Elliott is accused of something, it's on first take, it's on highly questionable, it's on all of these platforms, all of these shows, Around the Horn, PTI, all of them, y'all know it. Same thing with Floyd. Hell, before, before Floyd fought Manny Pacquiao, they had special after special content after con I mean, over and over again, as they should. I am not mad at it. Again, I think that's what they should do as a news organization. Say whatever you want about ESPN. Say whatever you want about the shows. Whatever the case may be. They are still a news organization. So, you can imagine my surprise that when the tape leaks... Or TMZ puts the tape out, nothing, crickets. Then, if you want to use the whole, hey, man, guess what? You know, um, these are just allegations, nothing happened. Well, now Adrian Wojnarowski tweets that there is a criminal, there is an arrest warrant for DeMarcus Cousins. This happened on, what, Friday, Thursday or Friday? So then I'm thinking, okay, now they have to talk about it. Nope. Wrong. Still nothing. So now, me being someone who, you know, worked in sports for years, now does news, 
I am looking at it from a, a completely different topic because, again, I don't want to talk about the personal stuff. I don't know about the personal stuff. I don't delve into that type of stuff, right? We don't. I've got 117 episodes. You can check. ESPN has no problem delving into these. We've seen it. We saw it with Ben Roethlisberger. We saw it with Floyd Mayweather. We saw it with Greg Hardy, Ezekiel Elliott. There was no court case, right? There was no, no matter how you want to break it down, whether there is arrest or no arrest, right? These allegations happen and they talk about it. That's, that is what they do. But DeMarcus Cousins has an arrest warrant. There is an audio clip where DeMarcus Cousins makes a threat, an awful threat. And they have not done anything anywhere close to the way they've usually covered these type of incidences. And my question is why? Because say what you want about ESPN, the way they have covered domestic violence in the past, I think they have done a very good job of that in terms of illustrating and highlighting the perils of domestic violence, how significant and prevalent it is in our society, unfortunately, and, and the ramifications it has on women, children, and families altogether, right? They have uh, uncovered, lift the underbelly, shown the world the ugly underbelly of domestic violence, particularly as it pertains to sports, because for years it was looked upon, hey, if you're an athlete and you do that, the way they covered it was kind of like, eh, whatever. I can't tell you the number of times when I was growing up, they would do an athlete was charged with domestic violence as if it was just kind of like, eh, you know, super dismissive. That's how it used to be covered when I was a child. We now have generations of people who understand the severity of domestic violence and how it cannot be accepted, period, point blank, end of discussion. It, can, it has no place in this world. Unfortunately, it happens, but it should not. And we got to stop that out. We got to shine a light and make sure we all understand that. That basic understanding of just normal, of, of, of decency. Don't hit women. Don't abuse children. Bong. But the fact that ESPN is now changing the way they handle these types of incidences, despite the fact that this is one of the largest, most high-profile athletes that they have done, Again, toss aside Ezekiel Elliott or Ben Roethlisberger, Floyd Mayweather, Kobe Bryant. You understand? I mean, the list goes on and on. DeMarcus Cousins is right up there. There is damning audio evidence, and they have been quiet like church mice. And my question is why? Because initially I was thinking, well, you know, ESPN, they're partners with the NBA, so they've got a lucrative contract. I'm sure they don't want to whatever, whatever. But then quickly I remembered, hey, guess what? ESPN, they're partners with the NFL. And they've got no issue at all. Anytime an NFL athlete does anything remotely close to what DeMarcus Cousins is accused of. And again, that's the correct thing to do. When an athlete does something foolish, when there is evidence of an athlete making a threat or doing something foolish, you should highlight it. We gotta we, we gotta move past the days of oh we 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 cover this type of stuff in secrecy. So all of the good that ESPN has done in terms of fighting for right and advocating for victims of domestic violence, it's almost as if it's all invalidated now because I don't know why they are treating Demarcus Cousins different. And I really want to know. 
I would love for someone to be like, hey, this is why. A rep, a host, it doesn't even have to be a, you want to release a statement, a tweet, whatever the case may be. Because this smells crazy. And maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm ODing, right? But this type of stuff scratches my, my curiosity because it just doesn't add up. I don't know what it is. If they didn't want to, if they didn't want to touch it, and initially I thought this was the case, right? There is no criminal investigation right now. It's an audio clip. It alleges to be DeMarcus Cousins. We don't know. It's not valid or whatever. But once there was an arrest warrant, once the arrest war warrant, right, that news was broke by Adrian Wojnarowski, an ESPN employee, at that moment, I'm like, okay, now y'all got to talk about it, right? Because now there is a criminal, there is a, an arrest warrant, I should say, excuse me, an arrest warrant for an, a, a crime. And one of your employees tweeted it. So at that moment, why not talk about it? Why wouldn't you handle it the same way it was handled with Ezekiel Elliott? I mean, before Ezekiel was suspended, it was like, how many games? Tyreek Hill, same thing, right? There was an audio clip, and I get it, because their child then went to a hospital, and they were saying that there was an act of child abuse in addition to the threats made against his child's mom. But once, so if they're saying we use that clip because there, there was a legal issue at hand, now, in the DeMarcus Cousins incident, there is a legal issue at hand. I don't understand. And maybe I'm overlooking something. That could be true. But, man, when it is something as important as domestic violence, you can't play favoritism. Because then everything that you have done in the past, all of the good that you may have done, it then gets looked at with the, with the side eye. People start questioning things. And, uh, and some people will start invalidating the good that you may have done. This is not me, again, the theme, cancel culture. I'm not canceling ESPN for how they handled this. I just want answers because all of this, the situation with DeMarcus and his family is unfortunate, and I hope, I hope everyone is safe, and I hope they get, I hope if anything has gone beyond, I mean, a threat is very important. A, a threat is very severe. We can't downplay that. No matter if you kind of, like, yo, I, I feel what the buggy was saying about my mom. Be careful when you do stuff like that because we don't know what has happened in the past. We do not know. We do not know. And I'm not saying something has happened. I'm not saying something hasn't. But you can't threaten people like that. We understand that. Bomb. So that's unfortunate, and I hope everybody gets whatever help they need for that situation. But with ESPN, I'm not canceling them. I just, I just want to know the method. Because right now, from my position, it smells funny and it looks nasty. And that's a dangerous combination when we're talking about something as significant as domestic violence. <laughs> All right, guys, you heard the horn. I know it's kind of a, a kind of a rough way to head into halftime, man. Really uncomfortable with uncomfortable topic. You know, guys heading into the locker room, shoulders are shrugging, head hanging low, so okay. We're gonna we're gonna regroup, right? We're gonna take a timeout. We're gonna we got some time, man, to lift everybody's spirits to get us back in the game. But before we do that, before we head to halftime, a little house cleaning. Make sure you guys head on over to my Twitter account, right? Quarterly Show. That's Q U A R T E R L E E Show. If you have any questions, 
you disagree with me on what I said about DeMarcus Cousins or Dave Chappelle or any topic that you may want to hear me discuss, hit me up there or you can email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the show, what you want to hear or something that you may disagree with me on. Also, head on over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play or wherever else you listen to podcasts, download and subscribe the Quarterly Report. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Report podcast man it's the pod with my face on the coin man y'all know what time it is if you're listening to this podcast i really appreciate it and if you also are listening do me a favor head on over to apple podcast leave a five-star review but also let me let your friends and let the entire world know write it down give the show a review let us all know why you dig the podcast man i really really appreciate that all right guys so at halftime cancel culture has also come back to the doorstep of one jay-z sean carter you guys are not familiar this entire partnership he has with the nfl it does not seem to be going away on friday it came out that the guys between jay-z and rotney whatever the case may be they're going to start an apparel line (laughs) this is one way that they're going to fight social justice or social injustice this is how they're going to fight for social justice with t-shirts and socks yeah that went as well as you probably would imagine and then hours later there's a video clip of Jay-Z on some type of panel talking about one reason why there is so much police brutality that affects the black community is because we grow up in broken homes. Despite the fact that several different reports from the U.S. government say that children spend more time with black fathers than any other demographic. Does that mean just because they may not be married, right, then just because it's not a mom and a dad and one house does not then mean that the fathers are not present in children's lives. Trust me, as someone who is not married to my daughter's mother, I can attest. So Jay-Z, yeah, is, is getting hard. That olive branch a few weeks ago that I was talking about, yeah, that Jay's not a branch anymore, it's a twig. And in fact, it's not a twig, it's a pencil. <laughs> you feel me? That Jay's about to snap real, real hard if it hasn't snapped already. But you all know me, I'm willing to shoot the man some bail, man. I'm trying to turn, I'm trying to look through things, give him the benefit of the doubt. So if Jay-Z truly is fighting for social justice with t-shirts and apparel, why stop there? Why stop at t-shirts, hats, and necklaces, right? And socks, whatever the case may be. Maybe this is all one employ for Jay-Z to do what he does best, and fight for change through music. Check it out. Officer what? Think you can talk back to me? Officer who? Recognize you ain't have a daddy. Officer what? Think you can talk back to me? Officer who? Recognize you ain't have a daddy. Officer what? Think you can talk back to me? Officer who? Recognize you ain't have a daddy. Officer what? Think you can talk back to me? Officer who? Recognize you ain't have a daddy. Let's hear it for new Protest police violence with new hats. We've even got new socks. Let's hear it for new shirts. Taking a knee, now we are past that. Let's start making ass cat. Let's have it for new shirts. New shirts. New shirts. Hey, yo, for real, Joe. Again, this whole episode 
is about cancel culture. So if you want to cancel Jay-Z, I'm not going to argue with you at all. Because number one, I am so done with that motherfucker, bro. I'm, I tried, Joe. Y'all heard the episode a few weeks back. I was like, yo, despite my better judgment, I'm going to offer an olive branch. going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Slim, before they even break down anything about what they're fighting for. I mean, look. We all understand they're fighting for social justice. They're fighting for equality. The uh, you know the prison, the criminal justice system, right? In the uh, inequality, and in, in terms of that, right? We know. Look, I'm not even going to argue all of the things that Jay Z has done in terms of positive things he has you know invested in the community. All of those things are fine. And if Jay Z wanted to partner with the NFL in terms of just bringing in music talent, right? If you wanted to bring in me and Megan Trainer for halftime shows, cool, bro. I'm not even mad at that. The whole thing is you are using cap because let's, let's call a thing a thing, right? There would not be this fight, this cause, this, this initiative, this, what do they call it? The players coalition, whatever you want to talk about it. Had cap not took a knee. Had cap not done that, we would not be at this point. Right. This doesn't have anything to do with Colin Kaepernick, though. I thought it was nasty that Jay sent little sideways shots at Cap talking about, yo, we passed protests. I've talked about this in the past. You can look at all of the things that Colin Kaepernick has done beyond just taking knee to reduce Colin Kaepernick in that fashion is just disgusting. Right. But whatever. That's not even I'm not even mad at that. If Jay-Z wants to sell shirts, dog, you sell shirts really well. You had Bama's, and I can say this as a proud man, grown man. Never once in my life did I ever buy any S dots. <laughs> I never bought a rocker wear, you know, carpenter shirt. All this, all these things that Bama's was doing in the early '90s. Jay Z got the Bama's doing that. Bama's was wearing jeans and little button ups with S dots with a blazer. I swear to you, bro. <laughs> like some of y'all Bama's want to act like y'all weren't wearing it. Nah, Slim. Y'all were. Don't fake. I can raise my right hand to the good Lord and tell you I never once wore any of that foolishness. Never once did I have an S dot in a shirt and some bla in a blazer. Y'all Bama's looking real sick out there. But regardless, Jay-Z does not need the NFL to sell apparel. We we have an entire history, we have decades worth of evidence to suggest that. So why are you selling shirts about police like dog what? You're going to knock a man for taking a knee. Like, nah, we passed that. And then just three weeks later, we're like, hey, guys, guess what? We're rolling out this new apparel line for social justice. Buy our shirt on NFL.com. You got to be fucking kidding me. And look, this is the thing. Proceeds go to, you know, the Players Coalition, whatever, or whatever. I forget how they worded it. Anytime an organization, a company is going to donate or when they are proud of the percentage that they are donating, you hear exactly what percentage is going, right? When the NFL does their, you know, honor the troops or whatever, and 100% of the proceeds go to our, you know, they are proud of that. When certain organizations donate stuff to cancer, they will tell you 100% of the proceeds, 90% of the proceeds, 80%. The NFL, when it comes to social justice, oh, proceeds. It's because they know they own that bullshit. You know they are, bro. 
How is it that we know the artists performing before we know where the money is going? How much of the money is going? What are the detailed steps? Because Jay-Z wants to get up there and say, hey, we, we all protesting, right? We want to minimize what Colin Kaepernick has done. Not just Eric, Colin Kaepernick, Eric Reed, Kenny Stills. The countless number of players who still do uh, protest or started to protest. And the number, the countless number of individuals who have been inspired by Colin Kaepernick and others. He wanted to dismiss it. Now nah, we off that. All right, bro. Let us know what are you going to do? Give us something tangible. Don't just tell us. We know about the artists and you all have a connection with them. We know about the t-shirts. Dog, how much money is going to fight? How, how do you, how do you in the NFL, your guys' new partnership, how do you plan on fighting the criminal justice system and making it equal for all of us? How are you planning to fight, right, police brutality? How? All this stuff. Remember when Colin Kaepernick first said that he was kneeling for, and every single person who had a microphone was like, well, what does that mean? Well, how are you going to do that? Why, what, are, what steps are you going to take? Every single person, every single person wanted to play 21 questions with Colin Kaepernick because he was like, yo, I'm going to take a knee. How come I'm not hearing any questions? Where's Will Kane? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Where are all these people who wanted to know all these different questions when Cap first took a knee? Because Jay-Z is up here and the only, and this is another thing. And I know I'm on a tangent right now, but y'all Bama's make me sick. Yo, I get it. Jay-Z is super powerful, has great influence. But yo, just because you used to be a fan doesn't mean you can shoot them bail, bro. Don't come super hard on all these people that you, we talked about this a few years ago, right? When it came to domestic violence. And it's easy for people to, if you don't like boxing, to kill more Floyd Mayweather. And I love boxing. And I'm down with killing Floyd Mayweather. But if you kill Floyd Mayweather, right? And as you should, don't get me wrong about domestic violence. But then when it comes to Ben Roethlisberger, it's like, eh, well, we don't kind of know what happened. And, you know, it was, da -da -da. nah, bro, you, you lame for that. Same rule applies here. If you want to kill all of the NFL owners, if you want to kill Jerry Jones, if you wanted to kill President Trump, Roger Goodell, because that's the move, you have no ties to these people, cool, go have at it. I'm not even going to stop you. But when Jay's up there, hey, guys, it's just not checkers, man. You got to fight from within. We need to see that. Shut your ass up. Shut your ass all the way up, bro. Shout out to my brother, Ian McCoy, man, he tweeted something out not too long ago. It's nothing, it doesn't mean anything to, to quote unquote cancel or stop following Jerry Jones. If you a cow, if you're not a cow, if you don't like the Cowboys, and you're like, ah oh, man, Jerry Jones always been trash. I'm not gonna watch the Cowboys game anymore. Congrats. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But if you like Jay-Z, oh well, you know. Uh, Reasonable doubt means so much to me. I can't really give, and I'm not asking anybody to cancel anyone. This is, I, I hope this is not lost, right? Throughout this entire show, I'm trying to thread one little needle throughout an entire show. I'm not trying to tell anybody they should cancel anyone. But damn it, if you are going to get up on a soapbox and tell everybody else what they should do, your ass better not be a hypocrite because we're going to look funny at you. You feel me? Bro. You don't have to cancel Jay-Z if you don't want to. But don't defend his ass. We know what time it is now, bro. 
We know what time it is. I don't care how great his music was or how much you love his music. Dog, that's fine. You can love someone's art and then be like, yo, you trash. And at the same time, for those of you who do want to candle Jay-Z, I'm not mad at you either. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's kind of the whole point. You can carry it however you want to carry it as long as you are consistent. Just be consistent. And consistently, I will always say, Jay-Z, is some, he is some shit. Dog, he is some shit. And that's cool. He clearly don't care. He got the bag. He has the bag. But y'all Bamas who want to prop up Jay as this be And look, I was right there, man. I was proud. I was so proud. We all were proud, bro. You know what I'm saying? As we saw him move his way up. But we should, this is not, this should not come as a surprise because if you've listened to Jay-Z's music, he has told you he is about money beyond all else. This is just Exhibit Z. All right, that's a longer transition from halftime than I'm accustomed to having. But y'all know I had to get that off my chest, and that's not a quarter. So I wanted to make sure we touched on that. If you disagree, if you agree, if you want to hear your thoughts read on this podcast, hit me up. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at me, quarterly show. Again, that's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, guys, so... We talked about the Marcus Cousins. We talked about Dave Chappelle, but it was another person. Good God, this week, a bunch of people jumped out there calling or resulting in a lot of people calling for them to be canceled. And that's where we're going to start the second half with our third topic this week. Third quarter. Originally, this was going to be a sports wankster segment. You know, I felt like the second quarter particularly kind of weighed the show down. I was like, ah. I don't really know if I want to have this hard. You know, this is a podcast. It's supposed to be fun. Add some levity with halftime. But, you know, I was like, you know what? Maybe I make this a segment and add some levity as well. And then I was thinking to myself, ah, I don't necessarily feel like that's the move. You know what I'm saying? Because when I start reading these Larry Johnson tweets, the first off, when I found out that Larry Johnson tweeted some crazy stuff on Twitter last week, the first thing that came to my mind was, damn, LJ, what'd you say now, bro? Because I don't know how, I'm sure most of you all do not follow basketball Larry Johnson the way I do because Larry Johnson hit my the biggest shot of my life. The most memorable shot in basketball for me was the four-point play shot that Larry Johnson hit against the Indiana Pacers in the, I guess, 1999 Eastern Conference Championships. That, that was it. So, you know, my head goes immediately to LJ. But damn, bro, they about to get you up out of here. What you, what you say now? Because my LJ has said several dumb things in the past. But lo and behold, my surprise, when I found out it's football Larry Johnson. And that's when I started thinking about sports wainster, right? Because depending on how old you are, Larry Johnson was a monster. Larry Johnson... He came in, I mean, fantasy sports had, fantasy football particularly, had already kind of blown up. But he came in at like the the tail end of this super, uh, you know, explosion, if you will, that fantasy football kind of brought in. LJ wasn't LaDainian Tomlinson. He wasn't Priest Holmes. He wasn't among those guys, right? But he was really, really good. Like, say what you want. 
about anything that LJ is doing now, made some of the, the past transgressions he has made. But when it came to football, LJ was a beast. So once I realized it wasn't my LJ, but football LJ, I'm thinking, all right, bro, this, this dude is nuts. We about to throw his ass out there for sports waste because, for real, in high school, LJ was the man. But, like, those days are over. But then I start reading into what he's saying, and then some of the articles that he has been about or has, has contributed to in the past, and then I'm thinking, nah, I'm not going to make fun of this because, again, I genuinely think this brother suffers from CTE. And I don't know, right, where this goes from here. I don't know how the this how it manifests, how it how it the how the momentum builds. I don't know how it spreads. I don't there's so much about this that we all would say we have no idea. We are completely ignorant to this disease. So I think it's it's incredibly important that we take every aspect of this type of stuff. And again, I don't know if Larry Johnson has CTE, but don't take my word for it. A few years ago, I believe it was in the Washington Post. He said he thinks he has it. Think about it. What is it? LaRon McClain? He's been on Twitter every other week begging someone to check him out for CTE. Like, all of this. Look, I understand the NFL season starts depending on when you're listening to this. My podcast comes out every Tuesday. So in two days, the start of the NFL season begins. And so many of us don't care. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to say we don't care, but we really don't. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We don't care about what these guys are going through. We don't care about the ramifications. We don't care about the long-term effects that playing football has unless it immediately impacts one of our family members or a player that we may have um, – we have strong feelings for, right? right? We have a lot of admiration for. So, like, when something tragic happens, we always go, man, this is so awful, and then we feel bad in the moment. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, we don't care. And look, this is not me saying that we need to stop watching football. I'm not having that discussion. I'm not having that discussion at all. I like football. I'm watching college football. had an amazing time watching it. So this is not me trying to come against or come down on the NFL. No. But all day, what, Friday and, and, and into the weekend, I'm seeing everybody, and what's the name of this episode? Cancel culture, right? Everybody is shooting at Larry Johnson. And for those of you who do not know, this is basically what he said. I'm going to read the main tweet, and then he then goes on to talk about all this other craziness. But, this is Larry Johnson's tweet that he had, I believe, on Friday. There is an effeminate agenda going on amongst the NBA and NFL elites, peddled by high-ranking Masons handlers to indoctrinate the heterosexual sports world without them knowing for the buying power of the LGBTQ community. But we're not ready to have that conversation yet. He then goes on to break down why the NBA has become some Vogue fashion show Softening of play, everyone's a three-point shooter, noticeable weight loss to fit the feminine archetype. Okay. So, like, let's stop it, right? You know what I'm saying? To So, I'm not even, I don't even think I have to, to break down how foolish those statements are, okay? I don't, 
think I have to. If people want to dress, like the fact that guys enjoy walking into the locker room, whatever, dressing, how they dress, like I don't know how you can equate that to homosexuality. I don't, I don't know. There is a real lack of, I don't know, just when people talk about toxic masculinity, this is what they, they mean. We have all these years upon years of built up ideas of what being a man is supposed to be. And that, and that manifests itself in a lot of really unhealthy, you know, outlets, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, growing up, I remember, man, suck it up. Something happens to you, just suck it up. Don't cry. All this stuff, right? And that's not healthy. And once we can get to the point realizing that, hey, gender stereotypes, they're not healthy for either girls or boys. And when you realize that and then understand that everybody is an individual, and I don't even feel like... You listen to this podcast. I don't really think I have to break it down for you. What Larry Johnson is saying is completely foolish and dangerous. However, when you read about how he's tying Masons into the NBA and the NFL and all this other stuff, I then say, okay, this isn't just somebody who is speaking on hate, right? Who has an issue with the LGBTQ community or has issues with his own masculinity, I feel like it is a battery in his back. So that those things may exist. I'm not saying that they don't. But how someone ties all of these things together, it got me worried for the brother. Like, seriously. Because, again, a few years ago, he said it himself. He is worried about his head. We don't know how this disease progresses. We don't know. We don't know much about it. Partly because the NFL has gone out of his way to keep it a secret. So when everybody is so quick to quote unquote cancel Larry Johnson and we, we get the jokes off and we kill him on the timeline and all this other stuff. And maybe this is because, you know what, I'm maybe, maybe you want to call me soft, whatever. I was worried because I'm thinking, come on now. Like we know what time it is in the NFL. We know what time it is. This dude was a physical running back. Like, running into contact and that's how he played in college i'm i'm assuming that's how he played in high school and that's damn sure how he played in the nfl and now he's saying stuff like this out of the blue and here's the thing let's say you agree with what he's saying what actually let's say you disagree with what he's saying he has the stature enough and there are people who would love to hear anything remotely Anything controversial from a high-profile former athlete, people would be willing, right, to listen. He took to Twitter to get this out. You know what I'm saying? Like, this was so weighing on him immediately that he couldn't wait. All of this stuff, to me, is a, a red flag. A red flag for a lot of different reasons, no doubt. But a red flag about somebody's health, man. Like, look around the NFL and all the former athletes who are not doing well. We make fun of the Rays and the Michael Irvins, and yo, it's cool, but there's something going on, bro. Then you have all these young players who are leaving in the prime of their careers. God knows what they are feeling, or God knows what they have talked about in the locker rooms with other older players, right? Or maybe just their peers, their contemporaries. Don't think that, I, I can't imagine that all of these players 
don't even talk about this stuff, right? Or whatever effects that they may be feeling. And it's, you know what, I'm reminded of, and this is completely different because what happened with Tim Donahue was really just superficial, right? It was, this ref was throwing games, nobody's health was directly impacted. Now, if you had a bookie, whatever the case may be, maybe there was some type of violence, but we're talking about just directly. And the NBA ate that. I still don't know how David Stern and the entire league managed to get beyond Tim Donahue. I really don't. Because anybody who's ever complained about the NBA, one of the first, here is the NBA, the guide to the NBA haters playbook, right? If you hate the NBA, here's what you always say. The guys don't try hard. The guys don't care. The games are rigged. <laughs> that's it. Like, that's pretty much the standard operating procedure. If people do not like the NBA, that's exactly the blueprint that they go about. And the third thing I mentioned had some validity because an NBA official came out, wrote a book, went to jail, the whole nine said, yo, this is what happens. And somehow the league just Kept on whistling, walked by it, walked by it, ignored it, and here we are. The NBA is among right as popular as it has ever been, with the exception of the Jordan years. And it's crazy to me the resurgence the NBA had basically right after Tim Donahue. He was like, "Yo, we were throwing games, bro. We all saw the Sacramento Lakers game, the series. We saw it." I have no idea how the NBA got past that. I also have no idea how the NFL continues. We don't even, I don't know how we all don't always talk about CTE. I don't know how the NFL isn't specifically getting in front of CTE and telling us all, yo, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing this month. And letting us know the common nurse. They're just basically saying, don't look at it. If you ignore it, it'll go away. And I'll be damned. They're right. That's basically what has happened. Yeah, it pops up from time to time. And Antonio Brown won't wear a helmet, right? And the NFL is changing the helmets and right and outlawing certain helmets partly because of CTE, right? To protect athletes against it. But that story has nothing. Like when that happened, no one was talking about CTE. All we were talking about is Antonio Brown being a diva. Like that how that somehow usurped player safety. The only time you hear player safety is when the union talks about why the NFL wants to add more games. How can you talk about player safety when you want to expand the season to 18 games? That's it. It's the only time you ever hear it. And I have no idea. Junior Seau, bro. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Junior Seau, one of the biggest stars, the best players, one of the most known, well-known, likable players and look at what how he his story ended. Aaron, all of these things are happening around us, and we don't care. And Larry Johnson tweets these incredibly foolish and sensitive and just dangerous topics. And we go straight to cancel culture. I just don't know how that plays. I don't know how that happens. Instead of being like, yo, let's get Larry Johnson out of there. Maybe we should start looking at these players and be like, yo, what's really happening? Let's start investing a little bit more into this research because we still have no clue. 
And I worry what the next five years of Larry Johnson, LeRon McClain, any of these guys, all these guys that we spent years watching, cheering, if you play fantasy sports, making money off of. And then when they're in their 30s, mid-30s, in the early 40s, spit them out, all right, man, y'all good. And now all of this stuff starts happening, and we just, hey, get them off Twitter. <laughs> like, that's how we respond to this. Oh, he's canceled now. I don't get it. I would love to hear your guys' take. Am I being overly sensitive? Or what did you react when you heard Larry Johnson's tweets? Maybe, and I'm sure some of y'all Bamas probably agree with what he's saying. No matter the case, let me know. I want to hear your thoughts. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at me, quarterly show, that's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show on Twitter. And make sure you leave five-star reviews and leave me a message. Let me, your friends, and the world know why you like, listen, and love the Quarterly Report Podcast. All right, guys. Been some heavy topics this week, right? Started off with comedy, went a little bit heavy with some NFL topics, but we're going to finish up strong because some of you let me know how wrong I was with power. And my retort comes now. Fourth quarter. Justin from my hometown of Richmond, Virginia says, quote, I'm hating like shit. Crystal from Fort Washington, Maryland says, I don't know good TV. And Marco from Dayton, Ohio, calls me or says, quote, you a lame. <laughs> All of those people sent me emails off of last week's episode letting me know how wrong I am about power. And to Justin, Crystal, and Marco, I got love for all three of y'all, man. All love from this side. But damn it, I'm canceling y'all opinions on anything else moving forward. I don't care. Slim, I do not care. I tried. I tried again. <laughs> I tried again. I was like, bro, shout out to my brother, Chris Miller. So after the show came out last week, a few days later, C. Mill from NBC Sports Washington gave me a call up. He was like, yo, Armand, I know how you feel about power. He said, off the rip, he was like, it's not The Wire. You can't, and I've heard this several different times from other people. It's like, yo, you can't compare the two. Stop it. Don't try it. But he also, to my man C. Mill's point, to his benefit, to his credit, he was like, yo, you wrong. Three feds weren't killed by, you know, Tommy or whomever, right? He was like, one fed was killed by another fed. And he was like, yo, you got to kind of watch the whole show to see how it went down, whatever, whatever. C. Mill is my man. Got nothing but love for him. I don't know if I'm going to watch. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'm going to subject myself from the beginning to the end. I don't think I could do it because I have of the of this new season. I haven't watched the the whole episode yet. I've tried, bro, but y'all can't tell me this this is good television. You can't tell me. I I, I refuse to believe it that you all can sit there for. 58, 57 minutes, however long these episodes are, and be like, yo, this is quality television. This is quality acting and writing at its finest. Nope, will not believe it. I don't know what Power did to get so many people hooked because make no mistake, it's an extremely popular show. And I'm not, I am Jai Hayden, but right now I'm not hating. I salute everybody attached to that, right? 
they were able to start a show from the, the ground up, not really have any established actors on the show, it had become a staple of television for six years. Six years is a long time to have, again, The Wire has lasted one more season than, or I'm sorry, Power has lasted one more season than The Wire. And that's an accomplishment. I don't care whether I like it, it doesn't matter. I'm not even going to try to dive into why this show is more popular. Again, I'm, I, from what everyone has told me, I got to stop comparing the two. So I am because Wire is on the Mount Rushmore. In my opinion, it's the greatest television show ever. And there isn't any show that can stand up to the greatness of that show, in my opinion. So it's not fair for me to do that to power. So I'm going to, I'm off that. I'm off that. But as I shouted out Justin, Crystal, and Marco earlier, I genuinely, genuinely want to shout out Nakia from Bowie, Maryland. Because bless your heart, Nakia. Slam, if I ever, if I ever run, a, run across you, yo, I'll give you a drink. You know what I'm saying? No, no bull, Joe, because you held me down. Something serious. And you weren't the first person. You know, I got some homeboys and a few acquaintances who were like, yo, you got to watch Snowfall. And I've heard nothing but good things about Snowfall. But I remember when it first started. And my, I don't know why I'm like this, man. But my attention span when I'm first watching a show, you got to really hook me. Unless my sister or somebody like somebody super close gives me the stamp of approval and even then because like my sister has told me about succession for a while i haven't watched no not succession billions my sister has told me to watch billions for a long time i haven't got into it yet and that's on me and i'm going to that's probably going to be the newest show that i finally sink my teeth in however you got to be like for me to start a new show from like and I've, i've missed like whatever the case may be i have to be hooked it has to intrigue me early on and in snowfall's case i watched the first episode live and i didn't get through the entire show i think i i I turned the channel halfway through and boy was that a mistake on my part because this past week i took off it was last week of summer vacation for my daughter so you know we had a little fun time and i took a whole week off from work and while she was at band camp and doing her thing throughout the week I was watching Snowfall, and let me tell you, I ran through the entire, and it wasn't that long, it was about basically two, close to three seasons worth of episodes, but man, Snowfall is so good, Joe, so shout out to Nakia for putting me on, she was like, yo, I don't like power either, but you gotta check out Snowfall for real, and for whatever reason, because I've heard other people tell me I need to watch Snowfall, but she, I don't know what it was about getting this email, I did it, and yo, Y'all Bamas who watch Power. I'm not comparing Power to The Wire. It's over. I'm not comparing anything else to The Wire ever again. If you watch Power and don't watch Snowfall, get your life together. Wash your face. Start over. Start the day over. Get your Listerine. Wash your face. Brush your teeth. Get in the shower. Do everything over again. Because you're going about it wrong. You're going about it all the way wrong. I know... It's not an either-or situation. So if you watch both, bong, I'm not even mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad in the slightest. You like it, I love it. I said it several times last week, and I'm going to stay with it. But for those of you who don't watch, yo, let me tell you about the boy Franklin Saint. Okay? Ghosts don't want no problem with Franklin Saint. And this is the thing. The beauty of Snowfall is it's so real. 
You understand what I'm saying? You watch Power, and then you watch Snowfall, and then go back to Power, you're just wondering where the superheroes are. Because it's basically, in my opinion, it's that far-fetched. It's just so much stuff happening. Whereas with Snowfall, it starts off small, right? And I get it, right? By the time they started Power, Ghost was already this big dope dealer, but nobody knew who he was. And I was like, all right, come on now, Joe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People knew who Ricky Ross was, and he wasn't even really flaunting his stuff like that. Like, how are you going to be this big dope dealer and only like a handful of people know your name and your fa Like, come on, bro. But whatever. I'm not, this segment is not about bashing Power. But highlighting Snowfall because, man, and I'm late. I'm super late. But these are the moments when you are late on the show that has a few seasons. So you can kind of like binge through the entire thing. Oh, my God. It's, there's not that many things in terms of viewing and entertainment that are better than that. When you have a good show that is already has a few seasons under their belt. So you could just go right through. And that's exactly what my black ass did. Man, I love that show so much. Oh, my God. I, I, I don't know. And this is the thing. I don't know how popular the show is. I don't know how many people actually watch it. I haven't been tracking, like, the ratings. I don't even know if they've signed on for a fourth season. And I genuinely hope they do. Because, again, what I love about this show, it's not all glitz and glamour. Everybody doesn't look like a model. They are... There are no quote-unquote good guys. And I guess you could say that there are no good guys in, in, in power as well. And even the main protagonist, he's got flaws, right? There are moments when I'm like, man, Franklin, I'm done with your ass, bro. But then, you know, it, and, and, and then I think that's a beautiful thing because that's how we all are. No one is ever colored in good and, and, and bad, right? Good and evil, black and white. There's so much gray in everything that we do, especially in terms of stuff like this. And it it walks you through kind of how crack blew up. And we haven't. I mean, there's so much about this show that I'm excited about. They haven't even they haven't even scratched the surface yet. We they haven't even talked about gang culture. I don't know what they haven't talked about the breakout of HIV. Like so, I'm fascinated about the contrast. Like. Anytime they talk, start talking about the U.S. government's involvement in the crack epidemic and guns and the Contras, I'm in. Documentaries, book, like, I'm in. That grabs me. And that's, that's one of the, in my opinion, the unsung heroes of this show. Because they weave. It, it started with three different storylines. And now it's kind of into two mainly. But the way they weave the street life how the government plays with it and how the suppliers, how the roles, all three of these perspectives play into this one huge epidemic. That's one of the reasons why I love the wire so much. The wire was like, yo, you've got to pay attention because we have this storyline, which then connects to this larger storyline and so forth and so on. And the, 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 the level of detailed writing, the intricacies of the writing on the wire second to none in my opinion snowfall doesn't live up to that but i love how they weave different storylines and different perspectives i enjoy that it's one of the reasons why i like the second season so much because if you haven't watched it, i'm not going to spoil it for you but the second season has an added you know um perspective that the first well, the first season kind of did but it's getting off of the ground you know what i mean 
I really enjoy the second season. The third season is really, really good. The third season has kind of honed in and refined the focus strictly back on the streets with still talking about kind of the government play. But one perspective kind of left in the third season. Um, but again, I'm not going to dive into it. I just wanted to let you all know, <clears throat> as we wrap up this episode about cancel culture, if you do not watch Snowfall, but you love power, I got nothing but love for you. But I'm canceling your opinion on anything television related until further notice. Because this is a crime, Joe. I don't understand. They kind of, I mean, power started before Snowfall, so I get it. You've already been attached to certain characters, certain storylines. And FX, I don't know how many people have FX. But damn it, shout out to FX. I mean, between Atlanta, Sons of Anarchy, The Shield, and now Snowfall, they've got four of my favorite shows in recent years. You understand what I'm saying? So I don't know what them boys are doing over there. God bless the dead and John Singleton. Hopefully, this will get you guys excited. If you have not watched the show, it has the Armand Lee stamp, you understand, seal. And I don't think I've ever laid you guys astray, led you guys astray. So check it out, man. If you like power, I hope you would like Snowfall. But I don't know. And that's cool, right? I'm not telling anybody what you should like. I'm just laughing at you. Understand? I am laughing at you if you like power more than you like Snowfall. All right, y'all, man, that's my time this week. We went a little bit extra long, man. And I know some of these topics were heavy, but I hope you guys kind of understand, you know, understand my perspective, understand where I'm coming from, and also understand, yo, there's nothing wrong with empowering yourself and saying, yo, I'm off this person. We are canceling, quote, unquote, this person. But we just got to be kind of be wary of what we're doing. You understand what I'm saying? Just be wary of what we're doing and how far we go and make sure before you cancel anybody else, you hold that mirror up to yourself and making sure you're not just walking the walk, but you're talking the talk, right? Because there's nothing worse than inconsistencies after someone starts preaching to you, right? I think we all can agree there. But now I'm going to continue to preach. Make sure you download, make sure you subscribe, and make sure you rate and review the Quarterly Report podcast. We're on Apple podcast itunes stitcher spotify google play Podknife, wherever you listen to podcasts make sure you leave a review let me your friends and the world know why you listen and why you love the quarterly report podcast and spread the word man the show continues to grow i appreciate all of you all from listening to me whether it's day one or this is day 117 man i love all of y'all and i appreciate the support keep it coming and i will see you right back here next tuesday on a brand new episode of The Quarterly Report.